0: Welcome to the Good Life Agora Hills podcast. Join us each month as we discuss important city projects, programs, and initiatives with the community. We appreciate your support and thank you for tuning in. Hello, Agora Hills. It's Ramiro Adeva, your assistant city manager and your proud host of the Good Life Agora Hills podcast. Thank you once again for joining us. I'm just so excited uh, for our guest today. Uh, she is somebody that her and her team they keep the community safe and literally uh, put their lives on the line for all of us to enjoy the quality of life that we have um, been accustomed to so very honored, very privileged to have this person join us today. so without further ado, let me go ahead and introduce her. Ladies and gentlemen, at home, please get up off your feet. you know how we do this on this podcast. Put your hands together for the captain of the lost hills sheriff 's Malibu station, Miss Jen C2. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Jen, how's it going? Good, remember How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for taking the time. Obviously, as captain of the station, I know it's got to be a, you know, you have a very busy schedule with lots of things on your calendar. So we appreciate you taking the time to be with us and with everybody at home.
1: Great. Thank you.
0: So I think what we'd like to do first is uh, before we get into some of the more specifics. Um, I, in the community, I think we'd like to know more about you as a person and 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 you know, uh, and your journey to becoming the captain of the sheriff's station. So if you could start with that, that'd be great.
1: Right. So I uh, live in the community. I recently just moved from Agoura Hills. I mean, we now live in Westlake. I live there with my two young daughters and my husband, Joe. And it's a great community. We're really happy here. And... Really my path to becoming a uh, captain of the Malibu Law Station started 25 years ago. So graduated from high school, thought I was gonna take one route and it didn't work out. So had an opportunity at the age of 18 to start working in the jails. And it progressed from working in the jails to working in patrol in Compton and then uh, working as a counterterrorism detective and onward and onward and now I'm here at Malibu Lost Hills and it's home and it's just so great to be back.
0: Yeah well we are blessed to absolutely have you as the captain of the station so we're excited. Mm-hmm. Um, now when we talk about the captain obviously that's a very high position. Um, walk us through what does that role actually entail um, in being a captain for uh, the Lost Hills Station?
1: So, it's essentially the chief of police. And within our jurisdiction, it's 187 square miles, five cities, and two board of supervisors, um, unincorporated areas. So, it is a lot. We have everything from like the ocean to part of the valley to, you know, Agora Hills and Westlake. So, it really runs the gamut here in Malibu Lost Hills.
0: I remember it wasn't too long ago, I believe, you came to a council meeting and you kind of addressed the council and told them the things that you believe in and what's important to you when you lead your team. Um, If you don't mind kind of going over those again so our our community at home can hear them.
1: This is really important to me. So when I got to the station in May, I started meeting with every single employee at the station, one by one sitting down and actually having a conversation like we're having today. Wanting to know a little bit about them, but also in the end providing them my expectations. My expectations are, there's three, and it's very, very simple. I expect every person at my station to be a humanitarian. I expect every person at my station to be a guardian. And when it comes down to it, I expect every person at my station to be a warrior. So we don't have an incident like you, Baldi. My deputies know how to respond and are ready to respond to any incident like that.
0: I love that because it also sounds like you, there's accountability. As well, right? So people feel vested in in the job that they're doing, and they understand the importance of the role that they play in keeping everybody safe. So I think that's great that you did that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you, you notice I started with humanitarian first. Oftentimes, that's what doesn't get covered in law enforcement right. is really the great work our deputies are doing out there. Um, and the, if I have a second, can I just share a quick story with you? Do it, please. Because just is so near and dear to my heart a local person who was experiencing homelessness, he was arrested and he was getting ready to be cited out. And his clothes were soiled. And so he didn't have any clothes to wear. And one of my deputies called a local nonprofit and actually got him whole new shirt, pants, shoes, socks, everything before he went out that door. and it just goes to show you just the humanitarian side of law enforcement, but this is what is not seen. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff that is seen, it's very public, publicized, and it's usually when you know, we do something wrong. Right. But that's far and few between. It's really the day-to-day acts of kindness and really our deputies going out and being guardians of this community that is r- really what the deputies are doing day in and day out.
0: Yeah, and we see that and I think we feel it as a community, that protection for the people and, and recognizing them as, as, as fellow people, right? And sure, that yeah. is all of our duties to kind of help one another when we're in need. I think that's so, that's so, I love that story, so thank you for sharing that with us. So we have an event, as you know, it's called the Mayor's Table, and we have it every month. Uh, you know, Mayor Deborah Klein Lopez has been um, having these every month, and we were fortunate and blessed enough to have you at one of our more recent uh, Mayor's Tables. Um, what I'd like to do is, you know, even though there was a great turnout there, uh, I'd like to go through some of the questions. I took notes um, during that time, and for anybody in the community that w- didn't happen to be able to get to the event, um, I thought it'd be good if we kind of went through them now, so that we can, you know, go through those again, and the community can hear those answers that um, everybody there present was able to hear.
1: Absolutely.
0: So uh, one of the questions that was raised um, had to do with sort of overall safety and the way it's looking in, in the community um and i think that uh you know uh and correct me if i'm wrong but in general generally speaking i think that we continue to be one of the safest areas around um there was a comment i think that was made uh, at the mayor's table where uh you know the the number of burglaries and or robberies and there is a difference i'll ask you to explain that too uh those experienced a little uptick in more recent history um so can you maybe start with You know, again, making the distinction clear between what a burglary and a robbery is, and then maybe give some of your thoughts as to why that uptick might have happened.
1: Absolutely. So, a robbery occurs when by force or fear I take something from you. And so a burglary is, you, when people say, oh, my house got robbed, it usually means their house got burglarized. They entered the location, there was nobody there, and they took something from that person's house. So you kind of understand a little bit of the difference between okay. robbery is definitely uh, so much more severe because it's really that force or fear that they're taking that. Okay. Um, and let's talk about some of the burglaries in our mm-hmm. community. So recently we, and that's one thing that we have had an uptick is is burglaries and I had my crime analysts pull stats for me because I wanted to understand what do these numbers mean what's behind this these numbers would you be shocked to know that over fifty percent of our burglaries that happened in the, mind you my our five cities right Sure. over fifty percent were what we call crimes of opportunity The doors weren't locked, the windows weren't Mm. locked. So it wasn't that someone, you know, broke a window and entered a location. It was a door left unlocked. And that's really, when we talk about law enforcement and our crimes in our area, it's really not solely a law enforcement issue. Mm -hmm. It's a whole community approach. And so we really need the community to partner with us to be able to Decrease our burglaries in our community. Like today, as I'm going, I live in Westlake. As I'm, um, I left my house at five a.m., and my neighbors' door, garage doors, all the way up, and stuff like that. It's hard for us as law enforcement to be able to protect against that because i would have to put uh, literally a deputy at every house that left something Mm -hmm. unsecured so please partner with us secure your house secure your belongings and i think we can make a dent in those numbers
0: yeah and i think that can also be said right at the business at the business side too right um i remember at the mayor's table i think you mentioning there were maybe some tips or some best practices that businesses can take i mean simple ones what are some things or some tips that that businesses can can employ
1: so right now we're trying to work with businesses. So I think you're talking about a rash of burglaries mm-hmm. that we had in the community with businesses that were closed. Mm-hmm. And most of them were just um, like uh, restaurants that were closed at night. And suspects broke in to right. steal the money in the cash register. And I get that this is a an interesting idea, but we're, gonna, we're willing to try anything. We're now trying to partner with the business owners and actually putting up signs that say no cash in register, um, under surveillance, all these signs th- that hopefully will dissuade someone from breaking in and going into our businesses. We're also partnering with Ventura Sheriffs, LAPD, and sharing information so we can start connecting those dots because we know that is a ring.
0: Yeah. No, that's great. And I think that that's, that's a very, those are very helpful and easy tips for anybody th- in the community um, to take advantage of. And again, taking, you know, you're going to need that partnership, that it's not always just, you know, having you all come in after the event. There's things that can, more preventative measures that can happen to maybe stop the event from happening altogether. So
1: Yes, and when we frequent those businesses, right, right. what are some safety precautions we can take? Mm-hmm. I ran into you at Costco one day.
0: Literally. S- yep. So yeah. let's talk about
1: Costco. <laughs> if you notice when you go to Costco you actually see a large sign with the Sheriff's Department's emblem on it and it says please secure your purse. Um, because that's what we're finding. People will go in. We are, it's happened in d- all different locations. And Costco has partnered with us. And we've actually seen an impact where people will cover up their purses, will secure their items. So, again, when you go shopping, make sure you know you have your belongings closed, your eyes are on your belongings.
0: All right. No, thank you so much. So, Jen, we do have uh, you know, some situations uh, where um, folks have been experiencing homelessness in the community. Uh, You know, that question was again brought up, and can you go over sort of what the role of the sheriffs uh, would be when you receive those kinds of calls about folks experiencing homelessness?
1: So we are very blessed at Malibu Lost Hills. We actually have our own mental evaluation team. And not all the time do we need the mental evaluation team but they have social services that can be wraparound services for our persons exp- or people experiencing homelessness so we use them as well as our homeless outreach team right. and they have been phenomenal they are here twice a week now really hiking into our canyons and making sure that um The individuals in our canyons are getting resources and make sure that they have a place, a safe place to go to, especially during our high fire seasons.
0: Good, good. Um, Now you mentioned canyons. Uh, You know, one of the concerns that was brought up had to do with street racing. Um, You know, and apparently there are some, you know, there's street racing, unfortunately, dangerous behaviors going on in the canyons. Uh, what, what, What can be done or what is being done to sort of address that situation, maybe curb some of those behaviors from continuing?
1: so one thing we've been working with the community so sometimes the community is part of the social media online postings mm, where they are going to they tell hey we're going to be in this canyon and we're going to be racing or going up pch and they share that information with law enforcement uh i remember i was back here in 2019 i got wind of a uh, and they had a big car show in monterey those cars enthusiasts know exactly which one i'm talking about and they were gonna go through PCH. We got information they're gonna go through PCH and shut down PCH and for like, I think it was like 50 different cars going up to Monterey. We got information and they met at a certain location in Malibu and we were there to greet them with tow trucks and our motor deputies. And our motor deputies escorted them out of our community at 30 miles an hour. And this sent a valuable lesson and it was talked, from what I understand, it was talked about in Monterey, is don't go through this community. And that is the message that we wanna send. Don't come to our community and race. You're welcome to our community to enjoy the beauties that it offers, but do not jeopardize the safety of our community. So we're really looking to partner with the community. Another thing that um, we have is Operation Safe Canyons, and we hire deputies on overtime to Do uh, traffic enforcement specifically within our canyons, so that we're doing some operations as well as working with the community.
0: That's great, and I love that welcome party strategy. That was good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So one thing that I've always enjoyed uh, as long as I've known you, and I know the community um, has been excited about, uh, is is just you're very accessible. You know, I mean, they see your face, they see you out in the community, Uh, and I know that there has um, HOAs. Uh, have expressed uh, wanting to reach out maybe and have you visit them and maybe come to a meeting here and there. Um, Are you open to those kinds of meetings and, and how can they maybe coordinate maybe a discussion with you and or some of your staff if they have questions?
1: Absolutely. So my goal is to hit every single HOA meeting. Now, just in Calabasas, I think there's <laughs> around 57 yeah. HOAs in Calabasas. <laughs> and one of you.
0: Yes, yeah. <laughs> so
1: we are working at, um, to be able to do that. Just on Sunday, I was at an HOA uh, meeting at Sycamore Canyons Estates in uh, Westlake. So we are making our rounds. And recently, your liaison lieutenant, uh, Lieutenant Roman Foss, yes. he was actually, last month he was at the Morrison Ranch um, HOA meeting. That's so awesome. we are making our rounds please reach out to us. Um, We're happy to meet with you and share ways that you can protect your community as well as creating a neighborhood watch program.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. And shout out to Lieutenant Foss. We appreciate you. All right, another question that was brought up had to do with uh, Old Agora. And, you know, it's the upper northwest, um, northeast, I'm sorry, upper northeast part of our city, rural horse equestrian um, properties. And uh, they're concerned that... um, their desire to have more patrolling out in the specifically like the Chesbro area Um, have you heard of of those kinds of things and uh, and are you aware of maybe trying to get out there and and have a little bit more presence out in that in that part of town
1: yes so when we patrol we we look at the crime stats in our area and they're called heat maps when it comes to crime stats so we kind of know where to patrol in our area and if something has less crime it doesn't mean that we're not patrolling we are but we're not paying as much attention and being in that community as we would if it was a high crime area so um we are working with the community to do that and you will see our patrol cars in old agora but really our focus (coughs) and i think that's where the community wants us is really in those high crime areas
0: yeah that's perfect let's talk flock cameras right so we are putting 14 up as you know we did come to you and consulted you i know this is uh something that um you're very supportive of um and there are cameras in the these are cameras that go in locations uh throughout the city that help law enforcement uh, be able to uh do some necessary tracking or or searches that you might need to for um to help us all stay safe right and to find the bad guys maybe talk to that and, and uh, how do you feel about it? I know how you feel about it but I want them to understand how you feel about these flock cameras. Great. So
1: flock cameras are not red light cameras. We are not targeting anybody for traffic violations, we will not be uh, putting people under surveillance. Really what these cameras are, they are a tool that our detectives use. So let's say um, there is a burglary at um sephora mm-hmm. okay and the car was red and one a witness says the car was red and went this direction another witness says the license plate had a six at the end so we put that information into the flock sick cam or flock system and we have to have it is uh, it is very censored so we have to have a file number and everything is traced. Every search that we do is traced to whoever's doing the search. So it's not like I can just say, oh, where's Romero today? Let me type in. That's not how it is. So it's really a tool that our detectives can use to solve crimes. Another thing that it does is it alerts deputies when there are people in our community, based on their license plate, that are wanted for a felony so whether it's a stolen vehicle whether it's assault with a deadly weapon that vehicle was involved in assault with a deadly weapon or burglary it lets alerts the deputies in that community in that area saying this person is in the area so it's a great tool for us to really to protect our community so thank you to agora hills for being innovative and allowing that to go in
0: yeah always always happy to partner and do what we can so let's that that kind of covers the the mayor's table um, stuff. So thank you so much for for bringing that information to the people. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to move into emergency evacuations. Uh, it's a big you know topic that that always comes up, especially in the heels of you know what we went through what three years ago now,
1: almost four almost
0: four years ago now. Woolsey Fire, obviously that's actually my first experience actually meeting you and dealing with you and watching you in action. Uh, you know I, I remember at at that time you had taken the helm of the acting captain and really stepped in and, and you know helped us get through that that time. Um, and so I think it's so fitting that you're here to be able to kind of talk through that. Um, you know, in a lot of the things that we do, a question that always gets asked is kind of, not it's not the if, but it's when the next one comes through. Uh, how, you know, are th- what lessons learned? How can we do things better? I know that you having been right at the front line of that effort, I'm interested to hear your perspective on how you feel we're better prepared to deal with the next one when it comes
1: a great question so i want to kind of take this question and dissect it because this is really near and dear to my heart Woolsey fire happened on my third day here
0: yeah
1: and so we did a lot of round of what could we have done better but i also want to focus on that and then focus on what you as a community can do to make sure you're ready for the next fire, earthquake, or whatever it may be. So with the Woolsey Fire, we, there were three takeaways that I, three major takeaways that I had from Woolsey Fire. It dealt with evacuations, communications, and repopulations. And when it comes to evacuations, you know, I've talked to people about Canaan, right? And we've talked about, okay, traffic all going one direction in order to evacuate people. So these are some contingency plans that LA County Fire Chief Drew Smith, as well as Office of Emergency Management Director, uh, Kevin McCown, us three, one, we live, Kevin lives in the community, Drew lives close by the community, I live in the community. There's not a week that goes by where we don't talk about preparedness in our communities. And, so we are prepared for the next for the next um, disaster. What the community needs to understand is evacu- when we say evacuate, evacuate early you know I, I know sometimes you know you're thinking why, why? I don't see the the, the the winds going the opposite direction it may shift and really we're blessed to have um, Chief Drew Smith he is a fire signs expert and so if he says evacuate if he gives those evacuation orders, Please evacuate early. Second is with communication. And what we can do as law enforcement to improve our communications. Recently, when I got back to the station, I'm starting to have all my supervisors trained in social media. That's
0: great.
1: For, For one purpose only, for those disasters where we can have fire, OEM, and law enforcement provide that one message, where you're all getting the same exact message. And third is repopulation. And I was evacuated from my house and um, at the, this point I lived in Agora Hills. My neighbors, their house burned down and everybody wanted to get back in. And what I think we need to do next time is we need to show the community why we weren't allowing people back in. What the community didn't know is there were live fire or live wires down. And I think if we would have shown pictures of what it actually looked like before the different uh, services could come out and actually fix things, I think the community would have been underste- more a little bit more understanding as to why we couldn't allow them up certain roads because lit- literally they had live wires mm-hmm. on them. So I think you know improving on our communication and explaining why we can't repopulate at a certain time. And when we will repopulate.
0: Yeah, that was unprecedented. Uh, you know, in a lot of our time, it, it was, um, and, and we just remember the exemplary job that you and your team oh, did then you. and you continue to do. So thank you so much. Thank you. This next one's a tough subject as well active shooting threats. Uh, you know, I'm a parent, I have three kids of my own. And, uh, you know, obviously with the more recent history of Uvalde and what happened over there, it rocks your world. It, you know, and, um, it makes us all kind of, kind of pause and, and hold our loved ones a little tighter. Um, and then it causes us to ask these same questions that we seem to always be asking every time something like this happens. You know, what, what can we do to, to prevent the next one? And I know there isn't a guarantee on, you know, there isn't a 100% answer to that. But what can we, or what have we begun to do in order to try and increase our sa- the safety of our, our children in our schools, um, I know that, that you're very much involved in our local community schools. Um, so if you can go into a little bit of that, we'd greatly appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, so first of all, we're so blessed to have Dr. Stepanowski as Can't our we? superintendent of the Las Virginas School District. And I say that, um, I've known him for many years, and really, I met him back when I worked counterterrorism uh-huh. and specifically focused on school threats. I was the deputy director of the Joint Regional Intelligence Center, and that I, it was a joint operation with the FBI, and we would look at the school threats that were coming through the, law, the LA County. And I had De- Dr. Stepanowski speak at one of um, our big school symposiums And what I learned about him is he did his dissertation on Columbine. So he takes this so serious. And for a mom who has kids in our school district, Mm -hmm. I am thankful that he's a great partner and takes this seriously. Recently, um, I had a sergeant dedicated only to the schools. His name is Bill Vellick. He comes from us from Santa Clarita, where he spent 10 years as a school resource deputy he was one of the first responders to the Saga school shooting. He comes with amazing passion and experience and is bringing it to our school district. He is now the liaison to the school district, partnering with Dr. Stepanasky, as So well as we're already doing active school sh- uh, shooting drills on campus, so I think last month we did a Lupin, Lupin Elementary School. We are committed to protecting our kids. I'm also adding a JT member. Deputy Lee, so she will be joining the juvenile team, which goes into our schools. They do kind of um, assessments on kids that um, have made threats and determine what kind of threats. And really, our our goal is not to incarcerate them. Our goal is to provide wraparound services and off-ramps for them. So what can you do? Having been at the J-Rick, I spoke to a mom who lost their child, and Sandy Hook. And the pain that this woman, I, I just couldn't even imagine the pain that she was experiencing. And she just, she said to me, she says, I just wish somebody would have said something. And then when I came here in our jurisdiction, I spoke to a mom, this was in 2019, whose son uh, was the Isla Vista school shooter. And just, again, the pain of, she's like, I needed help. And so this is really where us as a community can join together really to protect our kids. I met with the uh, PTA president of Willow and sat down with their safety team and talked about what we can do as a community. So really, if you see an issue, say something, say something, because 80% and this is on the U, uh, United States Secret Services' website, 80%-ish of adverted school threats were averted because somebody said something. So please partner with us and say something.
0: Absolutely. That's great advice. Yeah, thank you so much for that. I kind of want to get into the, the topic real quick about just, you know, you do a lot with a little. And, and it's not that you have a little in terms of like nothing, but... You know, I um, I think that folks understand that, um, you know, that there's human resources and fiscal resources that are limited, right, um, in, in so many different arenas. Um, and yet you continue to service the agencies that you service and um, with the staffing that you have. How have you been able to do that to balance that very difficult balance of limited resources with, maybe, you know, with the demand that's out there for public safety. How do you do that, uh, marry the two together?
1: It's really the community. Yeah. It really is. At Malibu Lost Hills, for the LA County Sheriff's Department, we're kind of on an island. We don't really have any other sheriff station right next to us that can provide us resources. So we're really thankful because we have volunteers on patrol. We have our, our reserves that actually come, he- come to our station on their own for free, went through the police academy, did everything, and service us by working patrol for us. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our search and rescue team. They are highly trained um, individuals that go into our canyons and check for lost hikers um, people that have gone off the cliffs really I we could not perform the way we do if it wasn't for our community willing to volunteer so if you're here's a horrible plug if you want (laughs) to volunteer please call the Malibu lost Hill station we're always looking for volunteers on patrol New members of our search and rescue team, our arson watch—they're yep. so valuable to our community, and we're very, very grateful for your partnership.
0: Yeah, no, and I uh, mean, we need to plug that. That's important. It goes yeah. back to—I mean, everything that you've said about that necessary partnership that we all play in this greater picture of safety. So, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's great. Um, I want to ask you a question because you know, I have a daughter, and she's 11. And you know she's in this. This we have talks all the time about what she wants to be one day, and it changes day to day. Um, but when I when I think about you, Jen, and what you've been able to accomplish in your career, I think that there is something to say. And I don't want to make this all about this, but there is. There's got to be a proud moment to know that, you know, you as a you know whether it's being a woman or you know a certain race or a certain religion or whatnot, you are an example, an inspirational example to folks that you know, aspire to do great things. And uh, you know, I think that um, you know, seeing you in a in a, a very high ranking position at the Sheriff's Department um, gives f- folks like my daughter, you know, uh something to look towards and, and realize that thankfully barriers are being broken down and we're not fully there yet, but we're going in the right direction and you're an example of that. And so do you, I mean do you feel that and, and you know, do you uh there, is there a sense of pride that kind of, you know, that you feel when you kind of, you know, have a, a moments every now and then to step back and realize just the steps that you've taken in that regard?
1: I do when I look in my daughter's eyes. Um, I really do. Just recently, I take, I took some time to just kind of reflect on you know, my 25 years in law enforcement, and what does this look like? What, what were the hurdles I had to overcome? What did that look like? And one thing kept coming back to me is the women who stood by me, the women who came before me, and the women who will come after me. And just recently, it was about a month ago, I got 15 amazing women from the community, and we met here in Agora Hills. And from McGore Hills, it was uh, Linda Northrup
0: yeah.
1: um, and uh, Diane Brosh. Oh, yeah. And then the other 13 women were women from around the community that are in leadership roles, business owners, from the medical field, everything you can think of. We brought these 15 women together, and we just had an afternoon together. We just had this really neat connection, and it was really about women empowering other women. And that's how we're gonna break down those barriers. That's how we are going to prepare our our daughters, mm-hmm. right? For their leadership roles. And so I thought about really, Linda Northrup has been a dear mentor of mine for many years. And I thought about how she's poured into me and being able to call her and ask her any question I wanted and knowing that I was in a safe place to ask that question and i knew i was going to get sound sound advice from her yeah. and to now it's my turn to pay it forward so looking into my daughter's eyes looking into the kids at school that come over to the house or etc it's my time to pay it forward and i encourage you all you women out there look for ways where we can groom and encourage the next generation so thank you for uh, I love that. Your daughter just,
0: yeah, look. Um,
1: that's awesome that yeah. you're a dad that um, encourages his daughter to be that next generation
0: leader. Yeah, no, we appreciate it, and thank you for being that example. I want to thank our amazing crew who always makes us look wonderful when we do these, and <laughs> makes you look wonderful <laughs> when we do these. Um, I want to thank you at home, you and your cars, all of you for tuning in you are the reason why we do this platform to bring you the answers to the questions that you want to know about and to bring you information that's most important to you. So we thank you so much for continuing to join us each and every episode. And last but not least, I absolutely want to thank you, Gen C2, for taking the time out of your busy day to spend with us. And uh, just can't thank you enough. So thank you for all you do. Thank you. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, until we see you next time, keep living the good life.
1: In Agora Hills.
0: Join us for our next episode of the Good Life Agora Hills podcast, where we'll sit down with Danielle Borgia, the president and CEO of the Greater Conejo Valley Chamber of Commerce, and discuss upcoming events, initiatives, and partnerships.